You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks, and welcome to episode 107 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host Bart Bouchot, and this is the show for July 2022. I am joined today by a fantastic panel from the very far side of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, I'm on a week's annual leave, therefore I can record at funny times, which are normal times for my American friends. So uh, I'm not actually sure where in America he's joining me from, but uh, big welcome to Tech Ronan, as he's been christened by Ken Ray, Jeff Gamut. Hi Jeff. I I absolutely love that. I think I should get uh, business cards printed up and have uh, Tech Ronin as my uh, my uh, title on them. I so would do that. If if people still use business cards, I would so do that. I'd do that anyway, probably. Yeah, and to to um, answer your question that you didn't ask, I am like right in the middle of the uh, North American continent in Boulder, Colorado, right now. And you know, I knew that, but I'd forgotten I knew that. Lovely place, though. It is. It's a nice place. Also joining me, and I'm also I'm pretty sure it's somewhere in the middle, is uh, the wonderful Chuck Joyner from Mac Voices. Hi, Chuck. How are you, Bart? Not quite the middle. Um, I'm a little closer to the East Coast um, in Pennsylvania. No, oh, well, that's quite close to so, the East Coast. So I'm a little closer to you than, than Jeff is. Yeah, yeah. We just are all closer to me than Alison would be if she were here. So that's, that's something. You're only a few thousand miles away instead of many thousand miles away. Anyway. It's great to have you here to digest a month's worth of Apple news. Um, it is a bit of the silly season, so it's it's not the world's most uh, topic-heavy show. But nonetheless, there is interesting stuff to talk about. So we should get stuck in. Before we get into the main stories, just uh, some follow-ups on long-running things we have been following. Um, our friends here in Europe are a step closer to making the Digital Markets Act and the Digital Services Act, otherwise known as the DMA and the DSA, come into force. The Parliament has voted in favour of the two bills, so they are now waiting on signatures from the Council of Ministers, and everyone expects them to go into effect by the end of the year, so stay tuned uh, until that happens. Meanwhile, in news to no one, uh, Apple's relationship with Russia continues to deteriorate. Uh, the Russians, Shocker. Yeah, apparently iCloud storage is terribly in violation of Russian law, so Apple are getting fined for that. And also their app store are definitely antitrust, so they're getting fined for that too. I, I really am just waiting for all of their Russian property to be confiscated and for them to be thrown out of the country. I, I think that is inevitable at this stage. Or that they just leave. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Leave or be pushed. Yeah, you're right. One of those two yeah. is. It seems, it seems like it's inevitable. My money is on. Uh, they will wait till they're pushed out of the country, because uh, my guess is that they have some sort of insurance policy that gives them all kinds of money if they're forced out, as opposed to voluntary leaving. That is an interesting. I hadn't even thought of that. The, the thing that's sort of been on my mind in that regard actually is: do they have staff physically on the ground, or are they operating Apple Russia remotely? Because if they have actual Americans in Russia, they may want to run before they get, you know, arrested. Literally. Yeah, that would be a good call. And I don't know if they have any uh, 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 people from outside Russia in Russia 
uh, at in all. An office, I have no like, idea. Is, is there an Apple office in Moscow somewhere? I, I genuinely have no idea. If, if they if there is, I would think by now they've they're populating it with just locals. I would think that that would be a very very terrible. You said a terrible idea to have uh, anyone from outside. Yeah, just waiting to be you know arrested for no good reason and put in mm-hmm. a cage and paraded on television. I, I could even see them moving the offices into an unmarked white van <laughs> and just driving around. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, do, doing some more driving, just stealing Wi-Fi wherever they can. Jeez. Strange times you live in. Um, much more simpler news. After all of the belly aching about not being allowed to have a link to external subscriptions in uh, apps in the App Store, Netflix have finally, after months of it being okay by Apple's rules, added such a button. So we now know what they will look like on places like Netflix. And uh, if you click on the button, you will get the following warning. Any accounts or purchases made outside of this app will be managed by the developer Netflix. Your App Store account, stored payment methods and related features such as subscription management and refund requests will not be available. Apple is not responsible for the privacy or security of transaction made with this developer. In other words, we wash our hands, toodle pips, off you go to Netflix. Seems reasonable, what do you think? I, th- I think it's more than reasonable, and also I'm sure the lawyers had a hand in this to say, you know, if this, if you have to do this, then this is what it needs to say. So I, th- I think it's serve it's serving a double double purpose. Yeah, and all that belly aching mm-hmm. for something so simple. Just, hey, dear people, this is what you're doing, okay? I I think the big takeaway from this is that we need to all add toodle pips to our lexicon because that was awesome. How could be? Maybe maybe I hang around with too many English people these days. I love Tulipip. Anyway, um, where are we next? Ah, yes, we talked a few months ago about Apple not having great success with their. What they, I think Apple assumed it would be easy to deal with the housing crisis in California. They threw literally a billion dollars at it and assumed I think that would just make things happen. And we reported recently that they did not have a very high success rate of rehoming the people who had camped out on the land they had bought. They had bought, uh, But uh, Apple PR were very quick to point out that they have uh, opened up something called Veteran Square, which is a very beautiful housing development where they are housing some people as part of this project. So it looks like a small success, which is nice to see. And it does look like a very nice little place, actually. So well done, Apple, I guess. Yeah, well, at least they're they're doing something. Um, okay, so we have a horrible, horrible housing crisis in the United States, um, and this this has been precipitated by so many uh, cities and uh, counties creating these uh, these building moratoriums or restricting the types of housing that can be built so that you have very low density. And uh, and then the added problem of we have uh, we have people and companies buying up tons of housing and then turning it into uh, expensive rental properties. And when when you do these things, the housing that's available to everyone is greatly reduced ultimately. And then the prices get driven up. So. Uh, on one hand, saying, hey, we've got, you know, like several million dollars we're going to help out with by throwing it at the problem. That's nice. But unless you're actually creating the housing that people need to live and making it affordable, it's still not really helping the problem. 
So that's why I'm very happy to see Veteran Square because they're actually doing the thing we need to do, which is to make some some denser housing and putting something at uh, uh, a more reasonable price point. So, uh, yay, Apple. Yeah, obviously a drop in the ocean of the bigger picture, but I, I, I believe there were quite a few protests and stuff about Apple because basically by having such a big headquarters in California, Apple are bringing in people with big wallets and therefore making it more difficult for locals to continue to get housing. Am I understanding that the crankiness correctly? The the crankiness is uh yeah you've got it and it's not just Apple and it's not just California it's it's everywhere the the big companies go uh they're 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 drawing in people that um are are buying up properties um at, at, but then it ties back into the to the bigger problem which is we have cities that have very restrictive uh, um, building codes that are uh, prohibiting the higher density housing that would make all of this more affordable for everyone. Clearly, I have opinions on this. I was going to say, it sounds, it, 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 are you sure you don't live in Dublin? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I live in... Uh, uh, Dublin's um, sort of doppelganger because oh. I, I live in Boulder, and uh, and a lot of the uh, housing issues that Dublin deals with are mirrored perfectly in Boulder. It just sounded so familiar what you were describing. You know, we, we we'll build out these low density things, and then all of a sudden we have this traffic chaos disaster. No one can afford to live anywhere. No one can get in and out of work without losing their sanity. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what if we just built up? Anyway, what do I know? Oh, no, can't do that. It, it's an interesting problem because in order to attract the talent, the mm. companies have to pay. And so, therefore, the people that they bring in make big, bigger salaries and they want nicer homes. And as a result, there's more demand for, for the kind of housing they want. But you know, you really can't stop paying the big salaries because then you lose the talent because then it goes somewhere else and becomes another problem somewhere else. But, you know, so it's it's a bit of a vicious cycle that is tough to break. It is. And then you add another little complication into the mix that the local economy needs those people there to spend their money there mm-hmm. because otherwise the local economy dies too. So exactly. you need them. Mm-hmm. You don't want them. You want them to live there and have nice houses, but you don't want them to have those houses because then no one else can have it. it, it yeah, it's it's not straightforward. Now, in Dublin, we had the added uh, bonus of some plain old corruption. So that that didn't help matters. You know, some brown envelopes passing around and uh, a couple of former prime ministers who ended up in deep trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can see where that, that would uh, definitely throw a wrench in the works. Yeah. yeah. Like zoning places for housing explicitly told this would be a terrible idea. Brown envelope handed over. Oh, here you go. Planning permission. No, it was, in fact, a terrible idea. And Bart, we have none of that here, you know, so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, anyway, let us move on from solving the housing crisis to legal latest. Apple v. Ericsson. Goodness me, did that take a bit of a turn this month? Um, At the moment, in Colombia, you cannot get a 5G iPhone or iPad because uh, Ericsson successfully sued to have the import blocked. That is quite the escalation of that uh, legal battle that is now spread across many countries. So, okay. Um, 
Yeah, that one was kind of a surprise. It sort I, of caught me because the last time we were talking about it, they were sort of saying that, yeah, we're, we're arguing about how much they owe us. You know, we're not going to make this too big. And then boom, import ban. I was like, okay. Yeah, but, you know, the the uh, value of a 5G iPhone or iPad in Colombia went up quite a bit because just because you have a ban in place doesn't mean you can't buy them. Now you just ah. have to pay a lot more for them. Right, yeah, but that money, of course, isn't going to Apple. So, so again, with it's so uh, right um, incentives. But, but Apple is Apple's still probably making their profit margin on whoever True. you know is buying them to sell. So, and and you know, I always think that these kind of things almost make it the, those the products that are banned more attractive because all of a sudden, it's not like there's a limited supply out there, um, or unless we get into global supply chain shortages, yeah. we're not going there. Um, you know, it it's it's like okay. They can be had. They can just be had for a higher price, and now they become almost a p- potentially a status symbol. Yeah. And so you know, it it kind of works in reverse, and 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 I I don't think courts sometimes understand that. Well, and the, or is it that Ericsson has scored a bit of an own goal? Hard to well, know. For for Ericsson, um. Yeah, I mean, okay. So here, here's here's the thing with Ericsson. Sorry, I had to, to sort my thoughts back out so they'd come out in a coherent-ish uh, order. Ericsson needs to do all all the legal things, check all those legal boxes, to show that they are actively protecting their their patents and uh, their intellectual properties. So. Uh, even if they didn't really want to get this this uh, court-ordered ban in place, they still were in a position where they kind of had to at least pursue it and uh, so they could show that uh, that they are doing their their due diligence to protect their intellectual property. and uh, and who knows, they may not have been expecting Columbia to uh, to go along with it, and then Columbia did, and they're all like, whoa, whoa, okay, <laughs> okay, let's roll with this. That's very plausible, actually. I hadn't thought of it that way around. Um, and then, of course, there is another very big asymmetry since Ericsson don't make their own phones anymore, they don't really have a reputation to lose with customers because who cares who built the 5G mast at the end of your street? Right, right. Which is they Ericsson's do need to protect thing. their patents. Exactly. So, what do they yeah. have to lose by being the bad guy, as seen by the people? Nothing, because they don't sell to consumers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. They can totally afford to be the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember when they used to make phones. They were awful, but they did used to make them. My first, my first uh, cell phone was an Ericsson. I, I was one of the I was one of the cool kids. I had a Nokia, and my less cool friends had Ericsons. Well, I like I, that now. shows you where where I fall on the cool uh, um, threshold. I, I was so cool that my phone had a removable front face that you could put horrifically glittery things on. Oh my god! Did I have no taste? <laughs> I remember those. I remember that. Oh, yeah, you Chuck, I want to see a picture of your of your blinged out Nokia. Uh, no, I don't think don't think I took pictures of things like that, even if I had them, which I'm pretty sure I didn't. I've always been a pretty basic kind of just give me a black cell phone and I'm fine. It was such a thing. We would go to this market. Oh, God, this was such a here's a memory hole and a half. It was a market on the border with Northern Ireland 
And depending on who you asked or whether it was convenient, they were either, no, no, we're in Northern Ireland now, so we won't charge you Irish tax. Or, oh, no, no, we're in the Republic now, we won't charge you uh, British tax. Uh, and whichever police came, they would hop to the other side of the street to be out of reach. Very interesting <laughs> place. A lot of things falling off at the back of a lot of trucks. But it was a thing to go there on Saturdays and all of us would try to find the coolest case for our Nokias, the coolest clip-on thing for the Nokias. All counterfeit, all horrifically ugly in hindsight, but that's what you did on a Saturday. Yeah, good times. You went to Clower Market. If you weren't buying illegal fireworks, you were buying covers for your Nokias. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, it's been a month, so we have three class action lawsuits over App Store pricing. Uh, In the UK, a three-judge panel has ruled that a class action suit may proceed in the UK Competition Appeal Tribunal, which sounds very fancy. Meanwhile, in Portugal, a law school professor has filed a class action suit. And as of just today, a bunch of French developers have filed a class action suit in France as well. And uh, just in case that wasn't enough, uh, there's another lawsuit in America, also antitrust, but this one's not about the App Store. It's about Apple ripping off those poor credit card companies. They're very upset. (laughs) Oh, Oh no! Yes. So anyway, we'll see how that goes. Uh, any anything? Anyone wants to chime in on those, or have we pretty much covered that off? Um, my my quick thought on the antitrust app store lawsuits is uh, that developers better be careful because they might get what they ask for, which may not be what they really want. My my guess is that in the end. If uh, if Apple is compelled to change the amount that they that they're charging directly for uh, uh, maintaining the App Store, or if developers get the ability to use alternate App Stores, that in the end Apple's still going to get the same money, and it's still going to come out of the developers' same pockets. They just might have more work to do. Yeah, yeah. The developers in the end will have more work to do to pay the same money, and uh, and then they'll be like, "Well, but this isn't what we meant." Well, sorry, it's what you asked for. <laughs> yeah, and and I I feel like that you know some of this too may come back and bite the consumer. Um, That's what I because about most, yeah. a- Apple's not going to mm-hmm. take you know Apple's not going to take less, and we can debate whether they should or not. That's kind of a separate discussion here. But at the end of the day. It's it's just it feels like it's introducing more middlemen or something, um, or or more middle middle expenses might be a better better statement. I would um, worry about removing safeguards. Well, there's that too. There's that's mm-hmm. a whole other aspect to it. You know that I mean, right? I was talking just about the pricing, but you're absolutely right, Bart. You know, there. We'll go back to the top of the show notes, and you know, you, we were talking about some of that um, to some degree earlier. That you know, when you start requiring outside entities to be able to be in inside this transaction, then all kind of bad things can happen. Yeah. I'm, I, I've, I'm sure, well, I don't know, maybe you didn't, but just in the, this was late last week, I got emails to two different accounts, one of which interestingly does not have an iCloud account um, or an iTunes account associated with it um, saying that I need to contact uh, iTunes and you know make arrangements for payments because my bank information is out of date. Oh, that that was actually uh, an error, an internal error 
from Apple. Yeah, was, was it really? Say, I, okay. I dug into yeah, mine yeah, it and was. it passed email validation. It passed DMARC and DKIM and all that stuff. That was actually Apple's system telling me that I didn't have any payment details on file to be paid for the not paid oh. podcast I have. Okay. Yeah. Well, there, and there you go. A- a- Apple confirmed that that was uh, internal screw up. Oh, I'm, but, but but that's not the first one of those I've I've received, and not the first one that looked really really good. If you could, if, <laughs> ironically, if you Apple's looked good. Yeah, apples look good, of course, but you know, so, uh, but but it's it's kind of an example, I guess, of what you know what can happen here. Yeah, um, it's. So. I think a bigger thing is, as a, as an end user, if I sign up to something as a subscription, I know that I can go to my iTunes account and I can just cut it all. If Apple aren't in there handling the money in the middle, I now have to go fight with whatever the heck company I bought the app from. That's a way harder proposition than just going in and untaking it from my control panel. Mm-hmm. And how many horror stories have we heard about? I'm not going to call out any necessarily any services, but you know different services, both online and physical, where it takes almost an act of Congress to get yourself canceled. You know, you usually have to get your credit card company involved and say, "I don't want to make payments to these people anymore. I've canceled it." You have to show them the credentials, excuse me, the documentation yeah. that you've canceled, and then let them fight it out with the company you're trying to cancel with. I mean, John Gruber likes to tell the story of how it's almost impossible to stop being a New York Times subscriber. It's very easy to become one. That's exactly what I was thinking about. Yep. 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 Ironically, I am one, uh, even though I live on this side of the pond, but they have a special deal for academics. So they get my three euro every month, um, which isn't a bad price for the NYT. Anyway, um, but yeah, if I ever were to try cancel, I probably would just have to tell my credit card company to stop paying them. And then they'd get all cranky at me, but they were in a different country, so haha. Anyway, <laughs> sticking um, it to the man. I'm so proud of you, Bart. Yeah, there we go. Um, Apple HR and acquisition news. Um, Elon got a bit cranky uh, with people wanting to work from home and stuff, so he's, he laid off a whole bunch of Tesla people, and the rest of the industry seemed quite keen on getting them. So, uh, according to uh, some analysis of LinkedIn profiles, Apple have been scooping up lots of former Tesla engineers. And uh, not related to Elon Musk, but related to this story, they've also managed to scoop up a Lamborghini designer, which uh, means that this hypothetical Apple car might be pretty when it eventually maybe comes out someday. Who knows? Yeah. Um, You know, the Elon part, um, hey, he he is clearly upset a lot of employees, especially recently with the whole thing with everyone has to come back in the office. Uh, If you don't show up, uh, by this date, then we're just considering you as someone that quit without notice. Oh, and by the way, uh, showing up isn't enough. You're expected to spend at least 40 hours in the office. Okay, now in the United States, that just went right over most people's heads because they don't think about the fact that he just told people you have to spend more than the amount of time you require to work every week actually being here. That's messed up. Like, That's messed up. That's yep. Well, and this, and he's not the only one that has tried to issue these ultimatums to employees and then found out that the employees are more than welcome at other companies that don't have some of these restrictions. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then is surprised, which 
always intrigues me. It's like, you know, well, why, why would you be surprised if if you're putting down that kind of ultimatum and people really feel that strongly about it, then why are you surprised that other people are hiring them? I mean, Apple didn't do it as extreme, but Tim Cook made a fair few people cranky with his attitude. And it definitely was one of the root causes of a lot of the rumblings with an Apple's employees in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. And the irony there is, uh, while Tim was doing that, Apple was running ads showing how great the Mac and the iPad are for uh, people that are remote workers. Didn't they use the word liberated? Liberated yeah, from the office? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that that, uh, that was so tone deaf, it wasn't even funny. Well, it was actually, it was hilarious. Just glad it, it was work there. Yeah. Yeah, the irony on that was so delicious, it was like eating candy. Um, Apple have announced that they will be opening a chip development office in Jerusalem and they have started to hire people. So if you live in Israel and would like to work for Apple and don't mind commuting to Jerusalem and know something about chips. Oh, that's a small list of people. Um, (laughs) You can apply to work for Apple. Uh, Or if you are in the San Diego area and you know something about cellular modems, it is almost certain that the uh, seven-building site Apple bought uh, for $445 million that used to belong to HP is for the purpose of expanding their cellular modem team that are currently in San Diego already. So maybe there's a few jobs coming up soon for you. Oh, there you go. Get your resume up to date. Indeed. Uh, Apple services and original content, uh, Apple TV Plus and Apple TV. Um, given that Apple are so focused on sports, it's probably not a surprise that the Apple TV app has developed a new feature for live sports games. You can pause the action. You can join a live game in progress from the start. And assuming you have first rewound, you can go forward. However, they have not invented time travel, so you can't go forward beyond now, unfortunately. Ooh. Yeah, it would really help my gambling habit. Um, It also seems likely that Apple have some new hardware in the works because they seem very keen to sell the current Apple TV hardware with a $50 gift card available as uh, a thank you for buying one. That offer was extended in the United States and then extended beyond the United States to other countries as well. So the Mac and Usosphere is very much of the opinion that there must be hardware, there must be hardware. I don't know if that's wishful thinking or actually leaks and stuff, but it's plausible at the very least. I I have uh, two hypotheses about this. First one is, let's start pushing out uh, our inventory ahead of a new hardware release. Fingers crossed. And then the second one is let's uh let's promote our hardware as a way to draw more people into our apple tv plus service that seems less likely given that throwing vast wedges of cash at live sports seems to be infinitely more effective uh, yeah um yeah but like i said i have two hypotheses and uh and we all know a, hypoth- a hypothesis is uh not nearly the same level as a theory that is well as a, as a science graduate i pretty well should know that you're absolutely right and i have to wonder too if this isn't another way to maybe introduce people that might not be there yet to apple tv because you know that if if they there is a new apple tv box 
then it's going to come with at least a trial period, if if nothing else, mm. or a free a free period. So if you could, you know, get this, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people that don't really understand that they can get Apple TV as a service without having the Apple TV box. You see, that's the bit that makes me think that they're not trying to sell the box to get people to do Apple TV, because that kind of goes against the message that Apple TV is everywhere. It's almost against their interest to push the box at the moment, because it just perpetuates the myth that you need one of these. Um, Bart, I'm not, I, you know, it's interesting you call it a myth. I don't consider it a myth. I call it a, you know, just a misunderstanding by the people who are less technically oriented than all of us and maybe aren't paying as much attention to, you know, how they get things. And right. and now, you know, because you, you know that they will be, you know, get the Apple TV box and, you know, you'll be able to watch great things like um, uh, For All Mankind and uh, um, oh, great! I'm, I'm completely blanking on all the other great Apple TV shows. I, I know that Ted, Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso. You know, uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, it it would it would seem a decent way to go about it, as well as um, giving people a reason to buy a new Apple TV box. Uh, One thing that uh, is easy to forget when you're looking at uh, whether or not an Apple TV box is a necessary thing is that Apple is pushing their package uh, uh, service deal. And as part of the package service deal, you get Apple Gaming. Okay, so if uh, if you're going to have that package and you want to play games on your television then you should have an apple tv device because having a, a television that has uh, the service built in does not give you the gaming part and i'm guessing the same is true for fitness oh i bet you're right i bet it's the same for fitness yeah, I, so i'd have to double apple check but that seems bundle. very plausible then that box makes a heck of a lot more sense. Okay, no, I'm 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 heading more towards your second hypothesis now, Jeff. You've 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 convinced me there. That does actually have. They're both plausible. I just want a new piece of Apple TV hardware. Uh, same. I mean, my my Apple TV is the HD model, mm. and it's now considered vintage. But I can't justify replacing it because if I buy a new Apple TV, I'm getting essentially what i already have just with the new remote so i bought the new remote what? that solved the problem for me <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> but no and i actually I, like I'm mine is on out. the fritz at the moment and i just i'm not buying a new one because i just i just have this feeling that it's not worth it and there's bound to be something better so at the moment mine doesn't turn off about a third of the time and it also doesn't turn on about a third of the time without yanking out its power plug because apple didn't deem it to be worthy of a power switch so you have to reach around the back to bloody well yoink the cable out the hard way and power it back up again. And that'll be fine for another day or two. But, you know. I, I'm I'm going to share with you the most ridiculous life hack that I'm actually using on my HomePods. They all have Wemo switches connected to them because I have to power cycle them on a regular basis. So now I use the Wemo switch when I need to power cycle the devices, pop one of those on there, and now you can say, hey, S lady, turn off the Apple TV. Actually, and the- I, have, I have the plug programmed for my Christmas lights, which is actually tied to the phrase, hey, Siri humbug, to turn off the Christmas lights. Uh- well, there you go. <laughs> you could use it the rest of the year. Humbug means turn off the, the telly. TV. <laughs> and just, and yeah, yeah, and when it's not working right, 
Hey, yes, lady. Humbug. Do you want to and guess what the, the, the keyword is for turning the Christmas lights on? Um, it's two uh, words in that one. I'm going to laugh when you tell me. It's I have jingle no bells. So I walk in the door and I shout jingle bells and all the lights come on. And when I leave the house, I shout humbug and all the lights go off. <laughs> That's... I, I, I love this, and I think it's totally appropriate for power cycling your Apple TV. I think it would work, yeah. <laughs> I, I need to call you guys. My, none of my Siri commands are that creative. I, it's just like, turn this on, turn that off, you know, and, and I, I need to get, you know. I don't I need, know. I, I need to my game on this. I think, I think that's my problem, because I only have those two commands. I haven't done anything else, but I just, I wanted to be able to shout at the air, <laughs> to make the lights come on enough, so I did. There you go. Um. Okay, uh, also, believe it or not, oh no, wait, we have Sky, uh, if you're in the United Kingdom, the SkyGo app is finally available for on-demand streaming on the Apple TV box, yeah, and you need the hardware box, because this is an app, so uh, that is another reason to get the box if you are in the United Kingdom. Meanwhile, it is award season again. Um, so, at, sorry, it's the lead up to award season, it's nomination season. So the Hollywood Critics Association have recognised Apple TV as the most nominated streaming service with 53 nominations. Uh, meanwhile, Apple has beaten its own record for Emmy nominations by getting 52 of them and also its first ever news and documentary Emmy nominations. So shock and or horror, Apple TV Plus is doing well in the awards. You know, last year that was news. I guess this year that's more of the same. But hey, it's that time of year again. Uh, mm -hmm. Vo Volvo are going to push out CarPlay to 200,000 vehicles via an over-the-air update, which doesn't sound like it's worthy of being in these show notes, but there is one thing that made me sort of take note. These vehicles are running Android Automotive OS, so they have the CarPlay app sitting on top of Android Automotive, which is... Uh, Google did promise us that, you know, using their OS would not rule out Apple Play. Well, or sorry, CarPlay, I guess so. So there we go. And is, go on, is anybody yeah, is anybody comfortable driving around in a car that has the Android automotive OS? Oh, I've decided I'm never buying a Ford or a Volvo ever again. Okay. Well, kind of so no, is, <laughs> is the quick answer yeah. to your question. Um Yeah, there you go. Uh uh Chuck, I was a uh a hardcore Volvo fan. And when my last Volvo finally died, because I buy them and then drive them until their only value is to donate them to a nonprofit, and then I get a new car. And, so what, you uh, had one car in your life? Um, <laughs> they don't end. I, I Volvos don't end. <laughs> I, I haven't had very many cars because uh, I hold on to them for so long. But uh, with uh, Android Automotive and the fact that Volvos have, have skyrocketed in cost – I was like, I guess I'm done buying Volvos. Uh, but the thing that to me is is really cool about this, the newsworthy part, is that instead of making uh, their customers buy like a new head unit or wait for next year's model, they're just pushing this out as a software update and giving people CarPlay. That, I mean, that's actually really cool. And the fact that Android Automotive makes OTA a thing that other vendors can do easily is probably for the better. Because this, mm -hmm. like, uh, my brother recently bought an EV from BMW, 
and he had it less than a month when they were told they all had to go to their local vo- or their local BMW dealer to have a software update installed. And I just laughed. I was like, mm-hmm. you bought the wrong brand of EV, mate. Mm-hmm. What century is this that your car has to go in to have a bloody software update installed by someone else? Absolutely nuts. Yep. So anyway. Uh, also in related news, because I couldn't find anywhere else to hang it on the show notes, Spotify made a thing that they called Car Thing, which was like a hardware Spotify device for the car. When they released it, everyone scratched their heads and went, I don't think this has a future. Well, everyone was correct. It has no future. It is now dead. So there we go. And uh, I'm trying to recall how long did this thing last a few months a few months oh a few months it was definitely this year that i reported it being released in one of our shows and everyone on the panel was like huh uh yeah at least it stayed on the market longer than the microsoft can oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> low bar but oh yeah i you know I, I think it's fascinating to watch spotify try things and they don't take off like uh one of uh one of jeff bezos rockets and so then they kill them you know they never give them even a chance to get any traction and you have to wonder is that because they really didn't have high hopes in in the first place they're just throwing darts at the wall to see what you know if they can land on a on a bullseye yeah it's not even to see what sticks it's to see like you say to see what gets a bullseye it's it's a very strange approach just this this blunderbuss approach to business yeah, yeah, it's very strange. Uh, I just threw this story, this next story in, because it made me happy that there is a competition authority somewhere on planet Earth with something positive to say about Apple. The UK Competition and Markets Authority, that's the same CMA who are suing Apple over the App Store, have said that uh, the UK streaming music market is healthy, there is plenty of competition and there are no monopolies, and Apple's share is 10 to 20%. I think Spotify probably have way more of a share. I think they're at 40 if memory serves. So it was just nice to hear a competition authority say, oh, no, Apple, you're not a monopolist in this particular place. So there we go. If only car thing had worked, Spotify could have really made a name for themselves. (laughs) (laughs) But to be honest, here in Europe, they kind of have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. Being a European company. The the default here, if you ask a random person on the street, do you have a music subscription? They will assume you meant do you have Spotify. Like... Those two mm-hmm. are synonymous as Hoover and vacuum cleaner. So uh, somewhere there's a warehouse full of car thing t-shirts. <laughs> unworn. You know, I wouldn't mind the t-shirt. I have no interest in the device, but I wouldn't mind the t-shirt. Hold on to them for 10 years and then leak some of them out. And Christina Warren will buy one for a hundred bucks. <laughs> Make a profit. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, Apple's shiny new Maps experience is now in 16 countries in total with three new people or three new countries joining the club. That will be France, Monaco and New Zealand. So basically France, a teeny tiny bit of not France, really wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's where we hide the casinos and New Zealand. <laughs> um, <laughs> what else is Monaco but a tax haven? That's actually right? really, really funny. It's a nice place, though. If you can afford to pass through it briefly um, or over and over again in a Grand Prix car. Anyway, um, 
The latest update for the HomePod came with some expected new languages. We were expecting to get Mandarin, Chinese, Cantonese and Japanese. They were in the release notes. What was not in the release notes but is in the actual software is uh, Swedish and Norwegian. So it would appear that those countries are now under test and they may be officially supported in the near future. So that will be nice for our friends a little bit further north. So that brings us to the end of our various little bits and pieces before we get stuck into our main stories. We have, uh, I forgot to even scroll, how many? We have four main stories, although I am stretching the definition a little bit. Uh, We have Apple's Q3 2022 earnings call as our first main story. We have Apple and Johnny Ive saying toodle pip, since we now like that word. Toodle pip. Uh, We have Apple Arcade saying toodle pip to 15 games in one go. Um, And we have an announcement from Apple about a very serious piece of new security infrastructure coming in the OSs that we will be getting this fall. So they will be our four main stories. So let us start with the Q3 earnings call, which I am mentally nicknaming the Rorschach test earnings call. Because (laughs) the self-same facts are being interpreted very differently by different people. We have, say, a headline from Macworld, an ounce of iPhone and no Macs makes a bitter Apple cocktail. Or Apple Q3 2022 earnings narrowly beat Wall Street expectations, sort of in the middle from Mac Stories. Or uh, the happy joy joy note from Tidbits, Apple outperforms in Q3 despite a rocky road. Take your pick, folks. They did great because they managed to do better than expected or it's all terrible and lots of numbers are down. What do we think? <laughs> I, I me, think Jeff. we just summed up the whole news news industry right there. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I guess I should say a little bit more for the listeners. So Apple very narrowly beat their previous record, um, and they did so mostly on the back of the iPhone and services, as best as I can see, with the Mac taking quite a substantial shrink which I don't think is a catastrophe because last year was an odd year. We were mid-pandemic with lots of people unexpectedly working from home and there was this minor thing of Apple releasing their own silicon. So Mm -hmm. there was a teeny tiny boom in Apple sales, sorry, in Mac sales, followed by this year when they are literally supply constrained. They literally can't make them as fast as they can sell them. So the fact that they sold less than last year doesn't strike me as shocking, surprising, or worrying. I I am with you. Um, I, I think that uh, looking at what Apple did this quarter, comparing it uh, year over year, um, on one hand, it's what we do. Because you mm-hmm. need to have a standard uh, basis for comparison. Uh, so, so you can consistently talk about the numbers. But yeah, last year, this time last year, or that quarter last year, was part of a big anomaly for the market. Anyhow, and uh, and the fact that Apple has been able to uh, to have a good quarter this year... As we're dealing with uh, with recessions uh, in multiple countries, we're dealing with parts constraints, and we don't have the brand new Apple Silicon because, like you said, that was last year. Um, and Apple still still managed to uh, to have a uh, a solid quarter and beat Wall Street expectations. Okay. We live in a world where that's a solid win in my book. 
Yeah, um, I would agree with that. And I just actually, this is a good time to plug that if you want a bigger picture on this, uh, Six Colors, Jason Snell does amazing graphs where we don't just do the year over year comparison because he's graphing it out. You can put it into a much bigger context. So when you Mm -hmm. do that sort of a look at the Mac numbers, what you see is that this year, year over year, we are down 10%. But if you rewind one year, they were up 16%. So if you're up 16% last year and you're down 10% this year, you're still up 6%-ish, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what also stands out from that graph is that the pandemic was nuts because in Q2 of last year, the year-on-year revenue change was 70%, which is absolutely insane. And that's a historically low quarter comparatively. Yeah. It's... And, it, and it was still like this crazy blockbuster quarter. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's strange. The other the other the top pie chart in the whole page is the breakdown of the different things that Apple make their money from and iPhone is 49%. It's almost a perfect half of the pie with services now being an almost perfect quarter at 24% and wearables iPad and Mac being approximately even as approximately 10% each, which is kind of interesting. It is, and it also tells me Apple's being very smart with the way they're running the business because the, while the iPhone is the uh, the larger portion of where the revenue comes from, they didn't sit on their laurels and, uh, and just assume that's how it's going to be forever. While they uh, could have done that, they instead started really building up other parts of the business creating this whole services thing. And now they're in the in a position where they have multiple solid revenue generators for the company. And uh, I think that's really important, especially when we live in crazy times like this. Agreed. And what sort of strikes me here is that we are used to seeing the iPad as not that big of a success. You know, it's, ah, yeah, it's okay. It's the size of the Mac. We also like to say that Tim Cook hasn't done anything impressive. Like, what's he done that's comparable to the Mac? How's about the wearables that are 1% bigger than this vaunted Mac at 10% versus 9%? Or or maybe, how about services? Or the two and a half times the size of the Mac services, yeah. Or half the size of the iPhone, whichever way you want to look at that. Yeah, I mean, this makes Tim Cook look boringly efficient. Which is exactly what he's supposed to be. Which is an operations guy. That's that's his history, really, isn't it? Just, mm-hmm. just do my job really well and be very quiet about it. Bart, I yeah. want to zoom back out there to the thirty thousand okay. foot level and and take a look at the list of headlines you just read. And there were a couple and others in here listed in the show notes. And this is part of the problem, I think, with with reporting. Mm. Um, in fact, I might I might disagree with you that the tidbits uh, was the was the rosiest. That just states the facts. There True. were Q3 there there were Q3 uh, expectations. Apple outperformed them. Um, Ars Technica was if they took out the word only, they probably would be okay too. But there's this terrible temptation for these editors and and journalists to color things instead yeah. of just giving you the facts and and mm-hmm. you know that that always bothers me when we have these conversations because they lead you to believe things you know it, it 
even in the rosiest quarter, you know, it's it's almost like they well, we have to find something. So, you know, they didn't sell enough purple iPhones. And that's what we're going to, you know, we're going to nail them on. Or they didn't sell enough green iPhones. And it's like, really, guys, you know, look look at the – just take an accurate look at it, report it. And yeah. I think I think you're spot on with um, with Jason's charts. You know, I mean, not only does that give you a good look at the different aspects of things, but also keeps them in perspective. Yes, yes. Um, mm-hmm. I, and just for perspective, one of the other stories that everyone would call out is when you do a bit of analysis. So the the the, the phone shipments are obviously very good, uh, but you need to put those into an even bigger context, which is that the worldwide smartphone market shrank by three percent. Apple grew by seven percent. Now that's Q two numbers from Canada, from Strategy Analytics, but. Again, it gives you an idea that Apple are not just swimming upstream because of the market shrinking, but they're succeeding. They're making headway while everything else is shrinking around them. So that kind of puts the stuff in an even broader perspective, I would say. That's an important uh, point. Yep. Well, what's the old phrase? There are lies, damn lies, and statistics. statistics. True. You can prove almost <laughs> anything with statistics, <laughs> even the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, any other thoughts on the earnings? You know, we're at the point where earnings reports feel almost mundane. Like yeah. Apple, Apple is very consistent each quarter. They uh, they they show uh, improvement. They are making more money, and it's just a matter of what what are the uh, projected numbers for how much of what they're selling. But I mean, these these feel very routine now, these earnings reports. Even in the middle of what is now a routine crisis, I guess, because I don't believe Apple gave guidance uh, again, because we don't yeah, do that in yeah. the middle of a war They've stopped and doing a guidance. pandemic. I mean, yeah. realistically, how can you give guidance when you have, you know, literally wars going on at the moment? And, you know, well, and, and they acknowledged... Pardon me. They acknowledged, you know, that yes, we do have some headwinds. We do have some issues um, with supply chains, but it's not like everybody doesn't have those, and it's not like any of those should be any big surprise. True. I mean, if, they, if there was if there was a real surprise here that Apple came out and said, you know, we can't produce um, AirPods anymore because you know we don't have enough white paint, uh, that might you know that might be significant in some way, but. With with them, you know, I mean, even being required to say, yeah, there's a war on and we have chip shortages. We still have a global supply chain situation. These things shouldn't be surprises to anyone. And yet, again, so many so much of the time, the analysts and the journalists act like they are. I just scrolling down a little further on Jason Snell's chart, we get the breakdown by region. And I'm left asking myself the question. Does Apple consider Russia to be part of Europe or rest of Asia Pacific? Because if it's part of rest of Asia Pacific, then losing Russian business wouldn't be all that big of a deal because that is literally the lowest line on the chart. Whereas if Russia were to be a significant part of Europe, that would be the second highest line on the chart, with obviously America's being the single biggest line on the chart by a country mile. So I, I looked wonder. this up at one point and... If my memory serves me correctly, Russia is considered part of Asia Pacific. Oh, great. In that case, good. 
That's, that makes these numbers less terrifying from the point of view of, like we were saying, Apple being booted out of Russia any moment now or sodding off of their own free will. Well, not free will. That's completely the wrong word. Sodding off <laughs> with their own best judgment. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yes. yeah. Anyway, interesting numbers. OK, um, I am going to move us into main story number two, which is a rare thing on this show. I don't do rumors. And technically speaking... There has been no press release and there is no public acknowledgement. There has also been absolutely zero denial that this is true. Therefore, it is almost certainly true. The New York Times have reported that Johnny Ives' relationship with Apple has come to an end. Their contract was due for renewal. It was not renewed. Johnny Ives is now free to work for any tech company he likes with his new company. I, I don't even know if I care. You know, I I think this is exactly how that uh, that whole scenario was going to play out. My guess is that Johnny had uh, obligations related to uh, product cycles, and he left, and so Apple uh, hired his new company to allow him to uh, complete these obligations. All of that is done. Johnny wasn't going to renew the contract. Apple wasn't going to renew the contract. And uh, everyone parts friends. Yeah, and the other thing I, w- I wonder, because we, we won't know about Well, we're unlikely to know about this for a couple of years until someone writes a tell-all book. Uh, but I wonder how much of it is part of Johnny rounding things out that he was working on and how much of it was part of Apple not wanting Johnny working for anyone else in the same sector for a while. Hey, you know... Both plausible. All, or indeed, all little from column A and B, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think, yeah, I think that's it. A little bit of column A, column B, and mix in the fact that it's it doesn't seem to be any secret that, that Johnny and Tim did not get along as well as Johnny and Steve by any means. Well, that's a high bar, right? Because Johnny and Steve were true partners and they were almost kindred spirits. They had a particularly close relationship as best as, as right. we can tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, I th- I think there's some of that that maybe Johnny just decided that after his obligations were up, um, you know, it wasn't the apple that he had known, or where he had had such favored nation status, and decided to go and do his own thing, or something else anyway. Other speculation I've heard from from people with more context in Apple than I have is that Johnny Ive was doing his best work with Steve Jobs because they could both say no to each other. And so in order for the good ideas to, to work out, you need someone who is appear to be able to say, no, that's a terrible idea, Johnny. And without Steve Jobs, when Johnny Ive became the czar of all things design, software and hardware, there was literally no one to say, actually, Johnny, no. And that didn't help mm-hmm. him, didn't help the design. I don't think it helped us, the Apple consumer. Um, I, I just cannot imagine Apple shipping a broken keyboard in their top in their most important laptop model for three years. If Steve Jobs was about, I think it, I think one of them would have hit someone on the head, and that would have been solved much more quickly. I, I'm with you. I think the the keyboard debacle would either not have happened, or it would have been very short lived. Yes, and there would have been some very bruised egos or heads. Uh, probably both. 
probably both. Yeah. Is it? I, I don't know. I think it's Steve Jobs and Johnny Ive were an amazing double act. And that's now history. And we will have very fond memories of their amazing products. But I, I think that was done anyway. And this is just sort of like, oh, yeah, there's the, you know, there's closure on that chapter that we knew was over anyway. Mm-hmm. That's well said. That's well said. Well, in that case, I'm not going to say any more. Let's move us on to story three. Um, Apple Arcade has, for the first time in its history, had a dramatic reduction in the number of games because a whole bunch of contracts from the start of Apple Arcade now came due and were not renewed. So on the one hand, it sounds catastrophic. 15 games removed from Apple Arcade all in one go. Oh my God, this is disaster. Sky is falling. But no, it's just contracts were due up and they weren't renewed for various reasons but Mm -hmm. just to remind us all that the sky is in fact not falling we also have other news coming at this same month we have new oregon trail update brings apple arcade and apple health together you can basically walk in the real world and it moves you along the oracle trail in the virtual world and it helps your character and it helps your physical self it's an interesting idea. You can walk the Oracle, the Oregon Trail wherever you like. Cool. Which is much better than what I th- initially thought when I heard about this, when you know, when they did the announcement. Because, of course, my first thought was, okay, so if you're not active enough in the game, you literally get dysentery. <laughs> this is much better. <laughs> yes, I do prefer it this way around, definitely. Um, and Apple Arcade also gets new Castle Defense exclusive. So, you know, there's new games coming. There's fun new things happening. This is what happens when a service becomes mature. Contracts come up, things come, things go away. I don't think we have any particular reason to worry. What was interesting is that this caused Apple to actually tell us what will happen when games leave, since it hadn't happened before. So when a game leaves... We've you lost two- games before. We just haven't had an announcement that 15 were leaving all at once. True. And Apple did add a section to the App Store, so to the arcade part of the App Store, saying leaving soon, which I Mm -hmm. guess is kind of nice of them. Here's the last chance to see sort of a thing, which is kind of an interesting idea. Mm -hmm. Um, But we now know that when when a game leaves the App Store, you have two weeks to finish. Basically, you have two more weeks to play it, assuming you have it installed when it goes away. And then it will stop working after those two weeks. And if the developers choose to, the developers can re-release the game as a normal iOS app in the normal iOS app store. And if the developer choose to, the developer can have your game saves and stuff from the arcade version work on the new version that's a regular version. But again, the developers need to do the necessary coding for that to actually work. So Apple are not blocking it. Apple's APIs allow for it. But of course, an API is only as good as the developer who actually calls the functions in the API. So it is up to the developer. Which is no surprise. Well, yeah. It's a slight surprise to me. Not a surprise, that's the wrong word. That makes me sound very cynical. I am happy to know that it is technologically possible. Okay, and I just assumed it would be technologically possible. Well, see, with privacy stuff, I actually wasn't sure, but clearly the bundle identifiers remaining with the same company mean that they can actually, they're probably a group, because you can have apps which share a group a group bundle identifier so they can share data between them, which is why the office apps can all share your same login state and stuff. Mm 
So I guess one version of the game can share a group ID with the other version of the game and then there's no access data access problems. So it's just good to know that the ducks are line upable should the developer wish to. Line upable. I like that. Yes, I may have made that word up. Don't tell my English teacher. <laughs> But isn't it inter- uh, forgive me I I am on a theme here I'm on okay. a roll but but isn't it interesting that you know the headline Apple Arcade loses 15 games um it, it has been it, that's the that's been the headline that's been going around right. okay but here at least we have iMore saying Apple uh Arcade gets Newcastle Defense exclusive and the Mac Observer saying new Oregon, Oregon Trail update Brings Apple Arcade and Apple Health clo- closer together, so you know it's 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 nice to see those little things a little more balanced. But the fifteen, you know, the fifteen games things would seem to be almost like well, Bart, you started out by saying you know we, we're we're talking about this to let people know the sky isn't falling, and that's what it feels like. You know that they're trying to make you I, once again it's scare tactics in the headlines. Yeah. You know, oh, I, oh my God, I better read this because you know the fifteen games Apple is doomed. Chuck, you've given me an opportunity to jump on a soapbox that I've been deciding whether or not I want to jump on, but I'm just going to go out right and say it. So up until now, and there's still quite a few of them in this month's show notes, because at the start of the month, I hadn't yet decided I'd had enough. But there was a time when my favorite Apple news site by a country mile was iMore. Rene Ritchie did an amazing job getting that place up and running. And the features they had was their headlines were not clickbait. And each of their stories started with a list of bullet points that said what you need to know. And so you could get to the core of a story without the sensation, without the, frankly, bullshit, really easily on iMore. They -hmm. have now, Rene has moved on. They have been bundled into a, a bigger company with a whole bunch of other properties. They just redesigned their website so there's ads everywhere, even in reader mode. They've removed those bullet points from the top of their stories. And whoever the heck writes their headlines now has come straight from the register or some other gutter press. So their <laughs> headlines have gone to absolute crap. They don't tell you the story anymore. They, they hide the lead 20 paragraphs down whenever they can. They bombard you with ads. I'm done with you, Imor. I'm done. Haven't decided who gets to take their place, but it's not going to be Imore in the show notes in the future. Uh, we, we have a problem, and uh, not you and me personally, but we, the collective, uh, as uh, as news consumers, we have a problem, which is that we have all of these uh, properties that at one point were independent and uh, and were run by the people that uh, that we liked running them hmm. and and then times have changed and advertising has changed and i and i blame google for that and and i blame them in a very bad way and uh, and now we've got this uh, this whole news ecosystem where catering to what the users actually need and makes it easiest for them to consume your content is not necessarily what's in the best interest of driving revenue. And so we see different publications doing this thing where they have lost sight or have chosen to, uh, to focus elsewhere. Um, They've lost sight on what their, their 
readers really, really need. And, uh, and when you're looking at shrinking ad revenue, I can appreciate why publications are, are changing to, to where you have to click through more to see the content that you want and, uh, and designing content so that you have to stay on the page longer to find the piece of information you really needed. And it absolutely sucks. And, um, and, uh, and I certainly don't enjoy it. Then we have the other part of the problem, which is that we had what, uh, what I like to think of as the, the golden age of Apple News. And uh, that and that changed when the big players like Wall Street Journal and New York Times, uh, USA Today, when all of those companies started building up their own large tech news coverage divisions. And it started eating up the revenue that was supporting the, the indie golden age uh, tech news sites. And so then we we see the natural turnover from the people that we we know and love from when those publications were what they were back in the day, and that inevitably means that those publications change in various ways, including their voice, and uh, and so now we have publications that may or may not be what we remembered and what we preferred, even though they still have the same name. And uh, and I'm not going to single out any publication. You can choose which ones fall in that category for you, and uh, and and it, and it just sucks because because the way we were consuming our content, the way it was delivered to us, is not the same now, and and I think that the evolution of the technology on the back end specifically the way we have to do with ads has changed in a way that has not benefited us as uh, news consumers. Yeah. Cause we're not the customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We're just the exactly. user. Um, yeah, it, it makes me very sad. Uh, but I, I see the click juice that I give out in these show notes as being of value and therefore I don't give out click juice to companies I don't like and iMore will be getting no more click juice from me and I was pretty vocal about it on Twitter they had the gall to say we hope you like our new redesign and continue telling us that it was in our best interest and if you're going to feed me a shit sandwich don't tell me that it's chocolate just don't don't lie to me I'm not an idiot uh just be honest and say, we need to do this to save our financial bacon. I'll be cranky about it, but hey, telling me I should like it and that it's in my best interest is the opposite of helpful. It makes me very cranky. And then I get all typey-typey still. Anyway. Bart, Bart I've, I've told this story that is so similar. I Years ago now, I did business with a local bank and... I got a, a letter from them that said that they would be shortening their hours and closing their offices at 3 p.m. to better serve me. <laughs> and yeah. So, you know, I went in, I closed my account. They said, why? And I said, look, I don't mind you closing at 3 o'clock, but please don't treat me like I'm stupid. And <laughs> I, I, know, I no longer want to do business with you because you are treating me like I'm stupid. Yeah, show me and, the respect you know, of saying we need to cut, we need to cut cost. Exactly. Everybody will understand that. And while I might not like it, I will appreciate it and, and understand it. But, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to we're going to serve you better by cutting our hours. Mm, no, no, no. 
exactly. Anyway, we have one more story to do before I get lost in my sea of crankiness. So I put this story last because I wanted to end on a happy happy story. That's an interesting term for it. A good news story. So we have already known a lot of the user-facing new features coming to iOS and macOS in, quote, the fall, as Apple calls it. Uh, but we found out this month that there is an extra feature which is really, really important to a small number of people. But the fact that Apple are doing it, I think, is just really good for the ecosystem. So the mode is called Lockdown Mode. And what it does is it has learned, basically Apple and a bunch of security organizations have learned from the kinds of features that have been abused by stuff like Pegasus and these kind of similar um, spyware things over the years. And Apple are adding a mode where you can swap features and convenience for added security. So if you're the kind of person who are afraid, who have reason to believe that you are going to be targeted by people with a lot of resources, then if you enable this, you will add a lot more protection in exchange for a little bit less functionality. And Apple's press release, which is linked in the show notes, lays out exactly the functionality you're giving up. And frankly, none of it's earth shattering. It's not that your phone suddenly becomes impossible to use. It's just that you don't get some of the new shiny that other people do. And in exchange, you get dramatically more security. And Apple are not doing this by half. The bug bounty available for breaching lockdown mode is $2 million. So that is called putting your money where your mouth is. So if you are a lawyer representing, you know, campaigners of some sort and you have reason to believe that a large government organization is out to get you, you're going to want this. Like if you're working for Amnesty International or something, if you're some sort of freedom fighter in China or something, you are so many shades of going to want this or frankly, Mm -hmm. you know, someplace in the Middle East. If you are working for a major tech company on the kind of cool tech that China would like to have, you are going to want this. I mean, there's so many... It's a small number of people, a percentage of human population, but it's a lot of people all the same. And so this is very forward thinking of Apple. And I think the fact that they're upfront about it and basically saying, we are going to let the users who need to choose security over convenience. I just think, well done. You know, don't make this a secret feature. Make this something that's easy, obvious, and be very clear about it. This is you exchange convenience for security. And you can. Here's the button. Push it. it. It also sends a very, very strong statement, which is that Apple is very serious about user privacy and user security. Yes. And and uh, and the bounties that you mentioned, like a two million dollar b- bounty. Holy crap! I mean, that that's is it right there that apple is really serious about this stuff giving us features like this the the things that they that they've already done with uh with uh encrypted iMessage conversations and well i mean just everything apple's been doing with security they they're clearly very serious about this and they're not letting up and news like this makes me very happy because uh it's just apple doubling down yet again on our privacy and our security. Jeff, you took the words right. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth because this is why when Apple talks uh, privacy and security, I think we all should listen. 
because they do things like this, not necessarily just this, but but like this. And it, they they sometimes have taken money out of their own pockets, um, figuratively and literally, to back up what they talk, what they say about human, uh, privacy being a, a basic human right. Actually, I, I don't think it's mentioned in the show notes, but as well as releasing this mode, they also released, was it a $10 million donation to a bunch of uh, advocacy groups working in this area? I think it was $10 million. Um, so, you know, they're very serious about this. Yeah. Right. Well, that draws an end to our main story. So before we wrap up the show, just quickly run through some other headlines that I think are noteworthy that made the news uh, in July. Um, Apple, generally speaking, are pretty good about privacy, but every now and then they do something that just muddies the water. And I just kind of wish that they wouldn't. So Apple are extending ads in the App Store so that you're now going to get ads in the Today tab and on app pages. And I just, it just seems tone deaf to me. Just a little bit of revenue. Is there any chance you could forgo it to just make it so much clearer where you actually stand in a privacy and stuff? Just saying. I don't know if anyone else feels as strongly mm-hmm. about it as I do. I just wish they wouldn't. Bart, I have to challenge you a little bit okay, on that no, because I, I, I don't see that as there, there's nothing to indicate here that there's there's any information being mined out of us to show me an ad. Okay, I mean now on the on an app page, maybe you know if I'm let's see if 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 I'm looking up a cooking app, you know maybe I will get an ad for um, the Food Network. Or something like that. Yes. But I, I kind of see these almost as like billboard ads. Like when I'm driving down the street, nobody knows. The only thing they know about me is that I'm going to be on that particular street and maybe looking up at their billboard. There, there's no personal information available to them. So they're putting it up in a place where they would logically hope I would see it. And that's kind of the way I read these ads. Unless you've, Unless there's something that I've missed that says, yeah, we're going to be showing you ads based on what – on you. My understanding is that your previous App Store purchases do actually feed into your profile of the ads you see in the App Store in general already. Um, okay. So it, it's, it's you see, it's it's grey, right? And I don't think they're doing best. anything horrific, right? I don't, I, I am, in fact, not only do I not think they're not doing anything horrific, I'm pretty darn sure they're not doing anything horrific. But it's very hard to explain to friends and family that Apple are serious about ads. Apple are against tracking. These ads look like every other ad, but don't worry, these ones are fine because Apple are doing them. Now, I know that that's technically true, but it's really hard to make that argument without looking like a fanboy idiot. So, Yeah, good point. It just muddies the water. I don't think it's wrong. I don't think they're doing anything bad, but gosh darn it, it makes the story difficult. That's a fair point. Mm -hmm. That's a fair point, yeah. The problem that I'm having with ads on the App Store is that uh, the the way they're showing up right now is, uh, I, I think, detrimental to developers. Like if I'm looking for a specific app and I do a search and I get my list of apps and there's an ad that's above the app that I want to see, it's uh, it it creates the impression that what I'm actually looking for is an ad and not the app that I wanted. And in some cases, you may end up with the app you want actually showing up, you know, like three or four down the list instead of at the top, you know, when you're looking for a very specific thing and use a very specific search. 
But isn't that because another developer paid to have their ad above the app? Yes. So which yeah. developer are you feeling sorry for? Uh, no, I'm feeling sorry for the user. Ah, okay. Because, yeah, that's fair. Because now they're being presented with uh, with a list that's not clearly what they wanted and instead is uh, something that a paid advertiser prefers. But that paid advertiser may be a developer. In fact, and that paid advertiser may be a developer that's in direct competition of the app that you were actually looking for. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Yeah. Yep. I don't think it's nefarious, but it does muddy the water. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how this develops, uh, you know, because we're talking about a little bit in theory here. I'd, I'd like yeah. to see how it happens in practice before yeah. I pass judgment. Yeah, I mean, it, if it proves useful, I'll eat, I'll eat my words, but uh, I am... Um, I, I prefer these things to be just more clean cut. It's like, it's not much revenue. Just let it go so we have a cleaner story. Anyway, uh, we talked last time that there was back to school promos in America. There are now more back to school promos. Um, if you sign up for the first time ever as a student to Apple Music, you can get a free pair of Beats Flex earbuds if you're in the United States or the United Kingdom. Uh, the UK's back to school offer has gone live. It's a £120 gift voucher available with some purchases. And uh, there are also back to school promos that have gone live in different European, Asian and Middle Eastern countries. Details links linked in the Mac Observer story in the show notes. Um, a very interesting story from a technological and licensing point of view. VMware Fusion have released a tech preview of their upcoming release. And it will support a virtualized Windows 11 on Apple Silicon. Now, there is a version of Windows for ARM processors, but Microsoft haven't licensed that to for use on the M whatever series of processors. But that version of the operating system exists, and that can be targeted virtually by VMware. So that's a very strange sort of place to have landed where Microsoft won't license Windows for um, Series Max, but VMware are getting it to run anyway. So that's very curious to me. That may also make the transition to Apple Silicon a bit less painful in the enterprise, where the loss of Windows virtualization made some people, not me, cranky. I... I think that part of the problem that we're seeing isn't so much a situation where Microsoft didn't want to uh, to license the ARM version of Windows for other devices. It's that uh, I think it was Qualcomm had an, had an exclusive license for ARM, and, uh, yeah, and so it prohibited right, Microsoft from being able to do this. I, I couldn't remember the details, so I was being a bit vague, but there were there was licensing weirdness in Microsoft's way. Yeah, and yeah, and the way VMware has been working around it, or maybe it was Parallels, I don't remember. I think it's VMware. Um, you could install uh, VMware and then do the uh, developer preview of the ARM version of Windows and uh, and they had a whole process set up to walk you through that to make it as easy as possible and then you're and then you're skating around the licensing restrictions and um, um, yeah but now it looks like we're at a place where um, it can just be a more open thing but wow I wonder what the lawyers of VMware have figured out. It's like this is yeah. Anyway, it's interesting to me. It just it sort of caught my eye that. 
in enterprise circles, this is a big deal because VMware is a very, very big deal and Windows 11 is a big deal. And having those two come together on the Apple Silicon is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it caught my eye. And then finally, uh, for those of you lucky enough to have the new uh, MacBook Pros with their new MagSafe 3 connector, and if you're the kind of person who likes to have a nut silver MacBook Pro, and it's made you very cranky that your MagSafe is not the same color as your laptop, you may now spend some extra money to get a MagSafe in the color of your laptop. Thank you, Apple. Thank God our horrible national nightmare is finally over. And I guess that, in this case, our, our world nightmare is finally over. Indeed. And on that first world <sighs> problems note, I'm going to draw a light on this show. I, I, hey, hey, Bart, before you go, I mean, I think we really right here should start a rumor that the, the, the gold cables charge faster. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Like uh, Monster will be delighted that somehow the gold magically does something. Yeah, it makes exactly. it go better. Uh, Physics I, I love that. I love that rumor. Let's do a follow-up rumor that Apple's going to start doing uh, seasonal cable colors like they do with the watch bands oh, so that you can get different color cables to, that uh, match with your mood or maybe the way you want to color code the, the gear you're using, um, special events. I want a pride um, cable. I want a pride cable. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. We need the pride cable. Yeah. You heard it here first, first folks, right you here. You know, there's possibly a market in like wraps for the power block or something. If we may have stumbled on a genius business idea. Yes. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if you can already get uh, skins for, well, you know, if you stick research. it into Amazon, Mag- chances are someone else. Mag- safe skin. Uh, oh, wait, it's not MagSafe. <laughs> it's just for the power break, right? But that said, I did a MagSafe um, um, skin search, and the Puck MagSafe, there are oh so God. many skins that you can get to put on that. There, uh, there you go. Oh, my God. <laughs> there, folks. There you go. Have a rabbit hole. Anyway, I'm going to draw a line under this episode. Uh, folks, thank you ever so much for helping me digest this month's worth of Apple news. Uh, in no particular order, Chuck, do you want to remind the listeners of where they can get more of your fantastic work? Sure. Thank you. Um, MacVoices.com is where you can link to pretty much everything I do. And I should point out that we do Mac Voices Live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, whatever time that is, wherever you are. I'm trying to convince Bart to stay up one night late and join us because it, it just seems like it should be. Um, it and on the well, and holidays, but uh, unfortunately, my family were more important than you, Chuck. I, I, I support that completely, Bart. I support that completely. But one of these days, lose a little sleep and come on over and join us. I will, Chuck, um, if, because I uh, really on the socials, on. Yeah, and on the socials, I'm at Chuck Joyner or at Mac Voices. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to see you. Absolute pleasure. Um, Mr. Tech Ronan, where are you Tech Ronaning <laughs> these days? <laughs> uh, all right. So when I'm not writing stuff for other companies, um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, Jay Gamut on both. I occasionally do videos and they show up at youtube.com slash Jay Gamut. Uh, Chuck mentioned Mac Voices live. So I'm there most Tuesdays in touch with iOS most Thursdays. Uh, and then I do stuff with the British Tech Network. So I host the big show on Thursdays and the Mac show on Fridays. And Brian Shaft and I have teamed up and we're doing the context machine, which is just a lot of fun. 
um, and other stuff I get around. I'm a keen listener or an avid listener, whatever the appropriate phrase is. You guys do a fun show. Oh, thank you. It's nice to see that back up and running. It's such a cool name as well. Anyway, folks, I have been your host, Bart Bouchot. You can find me at bartb.ie. And I forgot to plug my own podcast because I'm, even though we're 107 shows in, you think I'd have got the knack of it by now. You'll find detailed show notes at lets-talk.ie, along with a bunch of buttons under the heading support the show. I thank very much everyone who has ever supported the show. If you would like the show to keep existing, please consider supporting the show in the future. There are no sponsors. There are no ads. This show is 100% listener supported. It exists because you guys rock and I thank you for it. Now I can say that I've been your host, Bart Bouchot. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, this is Dave Ginsberg. I'm the host of In Touch with iOS, a podcast that talks about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and anything related to those technologies. Um, with my along with my co-host Warren Sklar, um, we in depth with a lot of great things that relates to iOS and and its technologies. I'd love to give you to give it a listen. Uh, you can find us at intouchwithios.com or we are in Apple Podcasts or any uh, podcatcher will be able to find us. Um, but uh, give us a listen. We'd love to have you listening to uh, those great technologies relating to iOS. Thanks. Thanks.